And now, proper propaganda. Watch it. Pull my mic back. You like that? Journalists with journalists too. We can strike back. Hardcore reporters with orders from headquarters. Behind enemy lines. Sidestepping the borders. If you're just tuning in to Civic Cypher, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. Q Ward is out today. But he will be back with us next week. Our sit-in guest is Lisa Sun. Um, and please stick around because we do have a lot more to talk about. So far, we've been discussing political party gatekeeping and really revisiting a topic that we discussed last week, which is, you know, why black people tend to vote Democratic um, rather than Republican um, and for those that didn't get a chance to tune into that show, the answer was effectively it's the lesser of two evils. And we were very critical of both parties, of course, but the Democratic Party in particular, because we had to illuminate that we understood mm -hmm. that the Democrats have not always been there for us. They have not. Um, but today, uh, Lisa has been helping us understand that there are even deep, deeper levels there and what we can do about it, which effectively is to engage in the political process uh, before we continue that conversation let's discuss how to become a better ally um, so today uh, I got a story from insider.com and this uh, highlights a guy named Timothy Walmsley um, Walmsley that's how I say it uh, and he is the judge who sentenced the three men who were found guilty for Ahmaud Aubrey's murder. Um, one thing that he did that Q and I really liked this week is he made the courtroom sit in silence for one minute before reading their sentences to put into context how long they chased Aubrey. Um, the reason we thought this was important is because I think that this illuminates the thrust the the real gravity of the statement black lives matter um we all know what a black person looks like and i do believe that most human beings recognize that uh you know a person matters you know matter matters anything you can interact with in the physical space matters but it's that word life, lives, um, that I think is lost on a lot of people. And I think that him taking a moment and having the courtroom pause for that one minute, what they had to do was imagine the terror that Ahmaud Arbery needlessly went through before he was executed. He was actually chased for close to five minutes, but the judge only took one. Um, and in that moment, everyone had to stop and they could only think about his last moments. That was what the order was. And then he handed down his sentence. And I think that for all of us, just to take a moment, you know, when we're, when we're angry, when we lost sight, whatever, to take a moment and to understand what it is that we're dealing with, human lives, I think that could go a long way for all of us. And so we wanted to uh, shout out Judge Timothy Walmsley um, for taking a moment in his courtroom, which we don't find very often, to um, give a little bit of life back to that black life. So, um, once again, shout out to you. All right. Back to the lecture at hand, as Snoop Dogg would say. <laughs> um, 
You mentioned earlier PAC funding. Or lobbyists, corporations, special interests. All these things. I want to know what is PAC funding? What does that mean? Uh, PAC funding is usually the case uh, of, a, of an organization, a political organization that has like a filing of a C4 where they can endorse political candidates as well as providing uh, independent expenditures or uh, financial you know, uh, donations. And these PACs can be corporate influence or not. So it depending on your s social platform, if you are uh, for women's pay, you know, equal pay, hear what we say, and then the PAC is uh, more supportive for women's issues, right? Then that will be a PAC that will support a candidate with that platform. But unfortunately, a lot of these PACs are more influenced by special interests and corporations. So it's, it won't be really favorable for grassroots or um, social issues that, f that will benefit the communities, unfortunately. Hmm. Okay. Um, another term, we, this is, I believe this is necessary. Um, you use the term lobbyist, and then you use the term special interest. We'll, we'll talk about both of those in that order. So lobbyist, what is that? A lobbyist, you have to like uh, register with the state secretary office to say that you're a lobbyist, so that you have permission or access to talk to the elected officials okay. on behalf of um, you know organizations like uh, the school or the union or mm -hmm. whatever. But again, a lobbyist can also come from the automobile industry. Okay. They can send lobbyists of their. Um, rep representative to talk to the is a lobbyist patient. like a lawyer then they can be okay they can be and they go and speak with a uh, an elected representative and explain the interest of the group that they're that representing they represent. so again these lobbyists can be uh, corporate influenced like industry of the poultry industry the beef industry the agriculture industry they all have lobbyists okay now, special interest. Um, special interest, I, you know, for me, I think special interests or the lobbyists are very similar. Okay. But a special interest group, will, again, will be a nonprofit organization as well, as well as corporation that have a very particular uh, uh, focus, you know, special interest group that, um, that benefits corporation very specifically. They're a little bit more specific. At least that's my interpretation. Mm -hmm. So they can be, again, any particular, could be in academia. Like academia research, like they come out with something. And then corporation can come in and patent it and then um, have special interest, you know, promoting it through our elect officials at the state capital or the federal, mostly at the federal level, to convince them this is a good thing, you know. Or talking to FB, uh, FDA or various, um, you know, administrations, uh, departments to push laws that will favor them to make this chemical or this product and the laws. So for, I'll just give you an example, like cosmetics. Um, in Europe, 
they have over 1,300 uh, ingredients that spanned. 1,300 ingredients they cannot use in their cosmetic. But here in the United States, guess how many ingredients that we are not allowed to use? How many? 11. Because of powerful lobbyists or exactly because they have heavily influenced our elected fish especially the fda or other um, administration effects of drug uh, food drug administration to say that this chemical is safe (laughs) or this is dangerous and it's not that dangerous what the case may be and of course the pollution i mean the list can go on and on and these people that represent corporation they can be specialists special uh, uh interests they can be lobbyists and they can also support a pack i have a question for you now you seem to know a lot about all of these terms that get thrown around on news shows and you know all these sorts of things all the time um I mean, you I'm also not know ex- a lot about <laughs> political party gatekeeping. Um, and if this is too personal, just say you don't want to talk about <laughs> it. But I have to ask. Okay. Have you personally experienced any political party gatekeeping? Have you personally come up against these powerful interests yourself? And if so, what have you done or what do you plan on doing to change that as an elected representative? What, what's po- what, it, what could you possibly do? I First mean, question is, has it happened? Has any, any political party gatekeeping, anybody tried to sabotage your bid, anything like that that you're aware of? Any candidate that runs for public office under the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or any party has experienced gatekeeping. So the answer is yes. Correct. Okay. But I don't really see it as a victimization uh, event, but of a huge learning curve. Because when you're running for the very first time, you don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. So you go into this machine that's been around much longer than you have. And it's far more powerful and has more money. So you have to be very quick to learn what is going on. And the very first uh, impact that I received was the fact that I wasn't endorsed. And I wasn't very well known because I was such a new face. I wasn't a mayor. I wasn't a city council. I wasn't even a school board. I just showed up and ran for public office. That's right. <laughs> and said, here I am. Like a G. <laughs> well, more like an L and an S. <laughs> um, but it was just something that that I was very grateful to have. Sure, because sure. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you about it. Okay. So one of the biggest gatekeeping for me personally again this is just my opinion if you spoke to another candidate it would be a different uh, story or different experience Mm -hmm. but for me the biggest gatekeeping was to run within a incumbent when you're running against your own party okay that's where the the gatekeeping is the most aggressive because when you're running against a party you're going to get more support if you're not challenged if you're not challenged within your own district like you're the only democratic Democratic candidate and there's no incumbent all the democratic support exactly so for me that is the gatekeeping that i personally experienced and unfortunately for the community 
That doesn't give you the option to clean house within your party. Just like we went back to say the Republicans, we call them racist. And then the Democrats, we call them polite racism, you know, racist, right? Right. Because we don't have that option to clean house. And that's not democracy. Because when they don't serve our community, they shouldn't have a, 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 a dominant presence because that power is still with the people. Well said. Well said. Um, okay. So how about this? What is it that elected officials make as a salary? So for me, the salary is another form of gatekeeping. And let me explain. Please. For Arizona and for other states, if you look at the base salary for a state elected officials, it can range from the low 20s to the high 100,000. Are you talking? That's the range. Low 20,000? Mm-hmm. Low 20,000. Like 21, $22,000 per year? Yep. And then you can go- Is it a full-time job? uh, Yes, five uh, five months, you know, uh, when the session- uh, you know, when you guys are in session from January through May. Yes, and that's for the whole year. Whoa, okay. So if you want to be an elected official in the state of Arizona, you will get paid $24,000. Now, the question is, why is it so low? Because we were in a red state for so long, they kept it low. Because if you think about it, if you just think about it, you have a poor teacher salary that wants to be an elected officials to change our school system and put more funding to into our I school. I think teachers make more than that. But if they take this job, they can't be a teacher. They had to give up their job. So you're going to make less money than a teacher would to do work that has a much greater impact and, and far more re- far wider reaching effects bingo so going back to so you're saying teachers are not interested as much as they perhaps could be because the salary being so low is a deterrent you're thinking that's artificially so that's artificially the case it it was designed this way wow okay and in addition if you were to be elected Mm -hmm. okay and you still making twenty four thousand dollars not what? me. I ain't gonna make that. Right. So, <laughs> what are your chances of staying clean? Oh, okay. I see. So now, so corporate there's interest. There's a wide open That's back door right. for corporate interest. That's right. So okay. again, going back to the lesser of two evil. Yeah. I don't care what you call yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, but if you have the strength to hold off temptation, and you really want to do right by the people, your community, then please run for public office. You are the perfect candidate. Mm. Perfect candidate. I, I, I implore you, those who are listening, to consider running for even something small like a school board. Because if you really care about your family and your community, you will be prepared to know what is coming. And the gatekeeping discussion needs to be talked more, especially you know, at a larger uh, level, like the federal level, uh, in the mainstream media, but it's almost like a um, you know elephant in the room. And being Lisa's son, 
that's all, that's all I go after. That's the only thing I like to talk about is the elephant in the room. Yeah. And there are things that are in place in our uh, political party where once you are elected, you can also be voted out by mm-hmm. a majority of your seatmates. And that is pretty much implemented at all state levels and the uh, federal levels. Like they can vote each other out, um, you know, if you cross a certain line. Hmm. You know, I think it's interesting that you uh, mentioned running for a, you know, school school board, uh, a position on the school board. I'm assuming that's what it, I don't know the actual name. Yes. Also for colleges, community colleges, they have a board. Boards as well? Mm-hmm. And those are elected positions? Exactly, that you can run. Well, you know, um, obviously on this show, uh, Q and I and then uh, Dr. Westenberg, whenever she's available, will come and we'll have these conversations about critical race theory. And we try to share exactly what critical race theory is with our listeners so that our listeners can then take it out and have informed conversations with the folks that they interact with. Um, The marketing of the fear over critical race theory is masterful. Um, And if we stop and think about how education can somehow be a bad thing, um, and they've sold it so well to let's be honest, the majority of Americans. You know, polling shown that, that most people are afraid of it. Um, not for what it is, but what it, for what it's marketed as. And, uh, you know, um, just while we're here, the idea that, okay, if anybody's going to be ashamed of their past, right? This is the way it's marketed. I'm going to get my little rant off here if I can. Go for it. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. But the idea that anybody could be ashamed of their past, um, that's asinine, uh, of the, 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 their inherited past, let's call it that, that a, a, a little white child would learn about their history and be ashamed of the country that they live in. When I myself know my past, that I came from actual slaves, mm-hmm. that's nothing to be proud of. Mm-hmm. And yet, all my life, it just was what it was. I've never not been proud of it. I've never been proud of it. Just is what it is. I'm here now. I'm glad that I know it. It gives me context. It Mm -hmm. informs me about the world in which I live. It informs my steps moving forward. It allows me to raise my children uh, appropriately so that they're aware that they're being raised in a hostile environment. Mm -hmm. Not that that's bad or good. I mean, it's bad inherently it's bad but you know not that we're picking on this country or anything like that we just have to understand where we came from but it's marketed as though somehow it's going to adversely affect white children to learn about the history of this country right and i think that you hit the nail right on the head if you listening to our voices right now are as outraged over that as i am Perhaps in your communities, if you're listening to us in Oregon, if you're listening to us in Florida, if you're listening to us in California, if you're Alaska, Alaska, even, you know, um, we don't have any stations in Alaska <laughs> yet, but I'm working on it. That's why I'm going. Um, but perhaps even a position um, on your school board, your local school board, um, being involved in your community 
to the degree that most Republican folks are. Um, at the minimum, we could perhaps challenge the narrative. We could offset the fear mongering that exists. White supremacy is a beast and it loves to hold on to power and it loves to scare everyone. Exactly. And it's, it's up to you listening to us to help us change that bit by bit. We'll get there together. Hey, we love you. All right, please go ahead. I just want to add on to what you're, what you just said about, you know, running for a uh, school board because here in Arizona, our own, um, uh, Maricopa County Democratic Party has a program for those who are interested for running a uh, school board. I don't have the uh, contact information, but if you just go look up for Maricopa County Democratic Party uh, website, they have something there about uh, training for school board uh, positions. Because critical race theory, the right did an amazing job in, in exposing and marketing that you know s- scarcity you know and fear mongol because it does work it's very effective but if the truth be told fear scarcity does not have enduring lasting effect i know that people think that well those emotions are real yes it is but they're not endearing what really lasts what what what's the most powerful emotion is peace talk to him say that go ahead keep on because if you look at the whistleblower for facebook she testified at a congressional uh, hearing at the federal level stating that facebook used fear to get more likes and more responses with social media in general Uh but what they didn't tell you is that yes People were, were pressing like more, but they also failed to say that people also respond to peace. That's what draws people back over the long run. Yeah. If you want to do a long distant race and you want to choose your weapon, is it going to be fear or peace? Choose peace because there's endurance. Yeah. Endurance wins the I'm long race. I'm glad you said that. I, that. That's such a beautiful thing. That's a little nugget, man. That belongs... That can stand on oh, its own. Thank, thank you, you for that. Yeah. Peace. Yeah. And okay. I think as an elected official, I think it's very, very important to run a campaign on peace. Sure. On, on unity, because that's where the strength will come from. And don't ever be afraid to tackle the elephant in the room. Okay. So um, we've explained why people should get involved in the political process. Um, one thing that we haven't really peeled away as much as I'd like to before we finish this part of the segment. How are elections funded? Let's say I just decide that I want to be a politician of some sort. Where do I, and I go and register, put my name, to have my name on the ballot, or how do I even do that? Does it take money to do that? So every state we have a, not every state, but most of the state has a um, commissioner, um, the, the citizen clean election. Mm-hmm. And 
our state has a very, very low budget compared to the one in New York, which is like over 100,000. Okay. We get like maybe 17,000 in the primary and then additional funding for the general. Mm-hmm. So I think overall, I think that comes out to be like 45,000. Again, this is just an estimate and I'm only speaking for Arizona. But running clean, you rely on more of a grassroots okay. um, uh, platform, therefore community uh, volunteering. So they're not paid. They're not paid. They they come out for you. And if you have someone that's an incumbent, because they have so many relationship th- with special interests and PACs and corporation, they can pay a campaign manager. They can pay a field director. They can pay volunteers to get signatures for you. They can pay you $12, $15, per signature because you need a certain amount of signatures to get onto On the, the ballot. ballot. That's right. So the amount can be enormous for an incumbent. And if you're a newcomer, the best bet right now is a grassroots movement on a clean slate okay. so that you don't rely on corporate money. So those are the options under the Democratic Party. And the Republican, they have something similar, but they get more funding. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, now it's time for us to move on to that way black history fact. Um, today, uh, this has come up a couple of times uh, for me in the past couple of weeks, but we're going to be reading an excerpt from uh, a letter from Dr. Martin Luther King. We're spending this time as we do. <laughs> Um, celebrating the life and the legacy of Dr. King. And um, I just pulled a a small piece from the letter, but I wanted to share it with you today because um, the roots of this very program that you're listening to right now can be found in this letter, in this excerpt. And so without further delay, we'll start. Of course, there is nothing new about this kind of civil disobedience. It was evidenced sublimely in the refusal of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to obey the laws of Nebuchadnezzar on the ground that a higher moral law was at stake. That's from the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you don't know. It was practiced superbly by the early Christians who were willing to face hungry lions and the excruciating pain of chopping blocks rather than submit to certain unjust laws of the Roman Empire. To a degree, academic freedom is a reality because Socrates practiced civil disobedience. In our own nation, the Boston Tea Party represented a massive act of civil disobedience. This is Dr. King talking about his protests, his marches, and so forth. He goes on. We should never forget that everything Adolf Hitler did in Germany was, quote, legal, end quote. And everything the Hungarian freedom fighters did in Hungary was, quote, illegal, end quote. It was illegal to aid and comfort a Jew in Hitler's Germany. Even so, I am sure that had I lived in, a, in Germany at that time, I would have aided and comforted my Jewish brothers. Don't forget, Dr. King was a Christian minister. Mm-hmm. If today I lived in a communist country where certain principles dear to the Christian faith are suppressed, I would openly advocate disobeying that country's anti-religious laws. 
I must make two honest confessions to you, my Christian and Jewish brothers. First, I must confess that over the past few years, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate, who is more devoted to, quote, order, end quote, than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice who constantly says, quote, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action, end quote. Hold on. They shouldn't be out there burning buildings. They shouldn't be right. They shouldn't be looting. Know anybody that sounds like that? I don't agree. I, 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 of course, I agree with the goal, but they should, they should do this right. Kaepernick shouldn't kneel. That's the, that's the flag. He shouldn't kneel. He should do it at a different time. Okay. Let me continue. This person who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by a mythical concept of time, and who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a, quote, more convenient season, end quote. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. This is Dr. King, y'all. I have a dream. Little black boys and little white girls are gonna play together and blah blah. He 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 has some he has some he has something spicy to eat that day because <laughs> he was speaking the truth. I'll I'll continue. I had hoped that the white moderate would understand that the law that law and order exist for the purpose of establishing justice and that when they fail in this purpose they become the dangerously structured dams that block the flow of social progress i had hoped that the white moderate would understand that the present tension in the south is a necessary phase of the transition from an obnoxious negative peace in which the Negro passively accepted his unjust plight to a substanti substantive and positive peace in which all men will respect the dignity and worth of human personality. Actually, we who engage in nonviolent direct action are not the creators of tension. We merely bring to the surface the hidden tension that is already alive. We bring it out in the open where it can be seen and dealt with like a boil that can never be cured so long as it is covered up, but must be opened with all its ugliness to the natural medicines of air and light. Injustice must be exposed with all the tension its exposure creates to the light of human consciousness and the air of national opinion before it can be cured. One more Baba, become a better ally. If I may ask, if you're listening to my voice, if you listen to Q and, and to me every week, one more ask. Go read this entire letter. This letter was written long before me and probably you were born. And see how relevant this letter is right now. As we take this time as a country to celebrate the man that wrote these words, 
let's not forget his lesser known speeches and writings everyone loves to talk about i have a dream a brilliant speech it moved us forward as a people as brothers and sisters i'm eternally grateful for it as i'm sure are you but let's not forget that he wasn't just a passive person that was willing to take beatings and dogs biting him and water hoses and watch this happen to his the members of his race and members of other races that were marching with him he called it out he called it by name and he said the white moderate was the great stumbling block the white moderate that's why this show is here there are some people who think just like you and me, they want the world to be a better place. They want the world to be more kind, but they're afraid to engage. And for some reason, everybody thinks they're a hero, but everybody lives in terror. It is the most confusing thing I've ever seen. And so today I wanted to leave you with that one more time. The MLK, uh, it's a letter from a Birmingham jail. Now, that is about all the time that we're going to have for today, unfortunately. So, uh, one more time, I'm your host, Ramses Job. Big shout out to my co-host, uh, my man, 50 Grand, and my guy who couldn't be here today, Q Ward, uh, who will be back in the saddle next week as we proceed. Uh, I definitely want to thank my guest, Lisa Sun, who has announced... <laughs> that she is running one more time let everyone know um what you're doing and how they can support so again my name is lisa sun i'm running for the state house of representative here in uh, arizona district ld 22 and if you want to hear and know more about me you can visit my website sun for az for as in number four sun for az.com and anything else that you need hit the website civiccypher.com to download this and all previous episodes make a donation and follow all of our social media at civic cypher and until next week y'all peace Journalists, we're journalists too. We